Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 258. Before we get started, I have to get credit for our opening song sequence. That is by L. Dre. We're going to link his YouTube down below in the show notes for you to check out. He makes some of our favorite lo-fi and hip-hop remixes. I use them on TikTok all the time. Like, that's who I always search for. <laughs> he does the up one that I'm obsessed with that you've probably heard a thousand times. Okay. But he did this WandaVision one, which is awesome. It was awesome. So a little bit out of our comfort zone, this is the episode that nobody asked for. Absolutely nobody. But we, to put it lightly, we were obsessed with WandaVision. Were? Still am. Still are completely obsessed. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I have to say, this for me is a little more out of my wheelhouse than Brendan. He is the knower of all theories and everything there is to know, and he just relays information to me. I just consider myself to be the super fan out of the two of us, and that's what I bring to the table. When you say super fan, though, you're specifically talking about Elizabeth Olsen mainly, though. Oh, absolutely. She, I was just thinking about it right now, actually. She might rank up there with, like, Julie Andrews. Like, I love Elizabeth Olsen. With Julie Andrews. Dame Julie Andrews. I love her. I might dye my hair red so I can be her. Can we handle two redheads in one house? I don't know. Louie, our dog, also has red hair. My sister does, too, and she's still with us. So, I don't know. Might be a little too That might be a bit much. But basically, we don't have too much of an agenda for this episode today. Main things we want to talk about were just like, what were our expectations going into the series? Going to go ahead and get out of the way. This is not a spoiler-free zone. We will be spoiling the show. So if you've not seen the finale yet, first of all, it's been a week. Yeah, what are you doing? So don't listen to this just yet, because the whole thing is going to be filled with spoilers. Then we're going to talk about kind of the theories. I think this show was one of the first times that we just got swept up in theories to the fullest extent. A lot of times we kick them around and we talk about them beforehand, but we don't get quite as invested as we did with this show. So we just want to talk about that process, some of our favorite moments and characters and lines from the show. Then we'll talk about our final review. And then at the end, we just want to talk about what we think the future of this phase four for the MCU is going to look like. We're also in the process right now. We're watching every piece of Marvel content that has been created since Iron Man. And that's including the TV show. So we haven't made it too far yet. We're just to Iron Man 2. So next will be the Incredible Hulk for us. But we watched Agent Carter. We're going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're also going to watch all of the Netflix series that they did for Marvel. The only exception is I don't think we're going to do the Freeform shows that they did because a we're not the target audience i don't think and b they don't 
pertain to the MCU at all. Neither do the other Netflix shows, but I still think it'd be cool to check them out. So ultimately, all of this to say is that WandaVision opened up a huge hole that we've just dove right into. And here we are. So I will be the first to say that going into this series, I did not like Vision. And I really didn't think I liked Paul Bettany. I was kind of indifferent on Elizabeth Olsen. I know you liked her just because she's an Olsen going into this. But this was, out of all of the series that they had announced for Disney+, Plus, this was probably the one that I was least excited for going into it. And kind of from, I thought, we liked it from episode one, which was different than a lot of other people. A lot of people didn't like episodes one and two and then parts of three. Mm-hmm. We were kind of hooked from the very beginning, I feel like. We were. And so just to backtrack it, I completely agree with you. This is something that we were not looking forward to when they announced WandaVision and that this was going to be, you know, one of the first big things on Disney Plus as far as the MCU goes. We knew that we were going to watch it simply for the fact that we want to consume everything that Disney Plus puts out there. We're starved for content. Yeah, just starved. And but there that was about it. We had zero expectations. And I think it's interesting because if you think about like what we knew about Wanda and Vision just from the movies, obviously, if you're into the comic books and everything like that, you knew a lot more about them. But if you were like me and you just watched the movies, they didn't tell us all that much about their relationship. Like clearly there was something there, but I don't know if anyone knew the full extent to maybe just like how Wanda felt and how damaged she was and like what her mental state was. And this show unleashed a lot of that. I knew the show had a lot of potential. I kind of thought it would just be kind of a filler leading into Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which I think ultimately that's what it ended up being. But it went a lot deeper than I expected it to. And I'll go ahead and say, our thinking on Paul Bettany actually changed before we started watching WandaVision. I guess I can just speak for myself. I don't know how you felt. How did you feel about him before? Just indifferent? I was just indifferent. Yeah. I mean, to me, Vision was always a super lame character because he is, I mean, he's a, a robot, essentially. So to me, it was always a little freaky that he was like a human robot. The other thing that I think you have to preface also is a reason why you didn't particularly like Vision was that you had never seen the Iron Man movies before this. Correct. We skipped over those. So leading up into Infinity War, we watched all of the Marvel movies pertaining to the Infinity Stones. And so we essentially got to skip the Iron Mans at that point in time. We've now, of course, now watched Iron Man 1 and 2. I've seen 3. You haven't seen 3. Not yet. There's a little bit of touch on the Infinity Stones in that one. So we'll get there. But anyway, I think... You now obviously love Vision and Paul Bettany, but I think you'll have an even deeper appreciation for him with understanding Jarvis and how this came to be. You got some of that in Age of Ultron, but I think you'll get more in Iron Man 3 as well. But I also feel like, to a certain extent, didn't we also get a small understanding of Jarvis from Agent Carter? 
I mean, isn't that where the name Jarvis comes from? Um, Mr. Jarvis? Okay, so this gets into a different tangent that Agent Carter is technically not canon to the MCU. That his name is Mr. Jarvis. Correct. So you can assume that when Tony started building Jarvis, he based it off of the Jarvis family that his dad worked with or that was employed by him. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, that's the basis where you can track it back to. That's all I need to know. I'm just saying that technically speaking, Agent Carter is not canon. And neither is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when we get there. But we're still going to watch them. Okay. Um, so anyway, my point was Paul Bettany. A, I listened to a podcast with him. He was on You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. You have to listen to that episode. And B, you need to watch the movie Uncle Frank. Now, you and I have differing opinions on this movie. You, you it, was it was a good movie. It was too emotional for you. It was, which is a lot to say because... I love emotional movies. Like, I'm not scared of crying. <laughs> but it it was a lot. It was a lot. But anyway, I think it showed Paul Bettany in a completely different light than I had seen before. So I would highly recommend watching Uncle Frank. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have a subscription, you can watch it for free. It's really, really wonderful. Uh, and I would actually say listen to the podcast episode first because he talks a lot about how he got into that role because the budget for uncle Frank was tiny and they made it work. And like someone of Paul Bettany's stature should not have been in that movie, but he was just because he was so drawn to the character. So anyway, circling back, all of this is basically just to say our expectations were pretty low going into it. I think we knew that Wanda had quite a bit of trauma. I don't think we, fully understood how she still wasn't done processing Pietro and Vision's death and her parents' death. I think she's still dealing with that. And then the snap and, you know, everything. I think it, we didn't quite understand what mental state she was in. And you really didn't understand that until late into the season of WandaVision either. Yeah, and I think one reason why... You know, you mentioned that we were so interested in the first few episodes where a lot of people didn't like that. You know, they thought it was just kind of weird and it was odd. We liked it. And I think part of the reason why I liked it is simply because there was, I don't remember if it was like a reporter or some inside person who got to watch like the first three episodes and came out and said something like, this is going to take Marvel to like a darker place. So I think even just from the beginning, like for me, after hearing that, I was just always looking for, well, what is that darker place? Like, what does that mean? Because this is a sitcom. Like, this is happy, funny, carefree, my kind of show. It's like, what what does that mean? So to me, it was it was a game from the beginning, which I loved. I also think it's really it's a really interesting concept is that Marvel has always teetered onto the showing trying to show superheroes that they are human and they have emotions as well. Now, every other time that we've watched it up to this point, they've gotten right to the edge, but then not went over the edge. 
Well, this is the one time they showed us, like, Wanda went over the edge. She It got so overwhelming, the grief and the mourning and the sadness. And, you know, I think it's fair to say depression. Anxiety. All of it. All of it. And it it became too much. And I think that was a really fresh take on how we see superheroes. Because, you know, just because it's fresh on our minds because we've been watching it. You watch Iron Man, you know, he reaches really low points, especially in Iron Man 2. You know, he's slowly dying because of um, his core and the business is not going well. But you know in the back of your mind that he comes out fine. Like mm-hmm. he'll pull himself like together. Like it's Tony Stark. But it's it was so interesting to see that with Wanda, like she cannot do this alone. That it's it is these traumatic things have happened that have put her into a corner that nobody could get out of. And I just think that is so important to show on the screen that they're not invincible even though she pretty much is invincible you know (laughs) well i mean it's definitely more relatable and i think that's something that a lot of people liked about it too is just like you said i mean it's this deeper side it's that she has gone through so much and she doesn't really know how she got here or what happened or, you know, what is even going through her mind because she's just in this place, you know, this dark place. And it was just so, I don't know if refreshing is a good word because it's not refreshing to watch something like that, but it's interesting. And it makes you think, how is this going to play into the next, you know, little bit? What did you say? Phase four? Is what they call it. So we're, we're not going to get there yet. We're going to save that for the end. But that automatically, like, you have to think that when you're watching this. Like, how are they going to use this? How are they going to use these new characters? Or superheroes, I guess I should say. So who are you most excited to see more of? Monica? Darcy? Jimmy Woo? Oh, always Jimmy Woo. We watched <laughs> Fresh Off the Boat, and that was our... First big intro to Jimmy Woo. Randall Park is he's, his name. He's hilarious there. He's great here. So we're big fans of Randall Park. So I definitely want to see more of him. I am super excited to see Monica more, especially since we just watched Captain Marvel. And I loved Captain Marvel also. I'm excited to see more of her. Because I feel like, we got glimpses of Captain Marvel, but there's definitely more to that story. It's very, um, I think, two movies that you and I both enjoyed a lot more than maybe the average viewer was Captain Marvel and Age of Ultron. So this basically played right into what we like and what we enjoy, which is cool. Oh, yeah. I mean... Also mind-boggling, because why would other people not like that? Well, if you want to talk about it, a lot of people don't like Brie Larson. but We don't have to get into that. We're going to focus on Elizabeth Olsen. You like Carol Danvers. I do like Carol Danvers. I do. Okay. She's another one that's relatable. I Yeah, I think she's relatable. 
yeah. I mean, and I think it's really cool that there's a lot of these seeds that have been planted in phase three, leading up to infinity war that could have gone unnoticed or they easily just could have never answered them. But it seems like they are going to go back and answer a lot of these things like the scrolls and like Monica and what she becomes and so many other things about, you know, how does Wanda pick up the pieces and go forward? What does it look like for vision? You know, since he's not done at this point. Which is exciting. So let's talk about some of those theories since that's kind of the next thing on the docket. So of course, as we watched the show, like so many other people, every little Easter egg, we just became absolutely obsessed with. We picked it apart. It's almost like listening to a Taylor Swift CD where there's just oh so God. much there to pick apart. No. Yes. Nope. If anyone else out there is like me, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You read everything, you pick it apart, you compare it to other CDs. That's what happened in WandaVision. There was a lot to pick apart. So this leads to a discussion about, do you think the fan theories went too far in this series? Because a lot of people were disappointed with the finale. I think I didn't come up, come away from the finale being like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. I'm so excited. But I was satisfied. Now, do you think, is it toxic almost to continue playing into so many fan theories because they got deep they got very deep a lot of times and very suggestive but on the other hand i'm just going to play devil's advocate and then i'll let you answer i promise because i know i posed you a question (laughs) i think uh the producers of this show and the writers tried to play the fan theorist so hard that they ended up playing themselves a little bit I think it's almost just natural for super fans, you know, people who love the comic books. They're seeing this come to life finally. And it's like anything else. You know, there are so many things from the comic books that they just can't possibly put into the series, no matter how much they wanted to. So I feel like they picked and chose a few things and then they let a few other like really important things go. Like our biggest thing the whole time that we watched, we always had the debate. Okay, is it going to be um, Mephisto? Is it not Mephisto? Who was pulling the strings here? I always went with that it was Wanda. You always went with that it was Mephisto. Turns out it was Agatha, and we were both wrong. And I don't know how I feel about that. So... I mean, and to just continue playing into these theories, because I guess that's what our life has come to now. Some people still (laughs) say that it could still be Mephisto, that at the end of the day, it still could be. And we learn that in either Loki or in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So it's... So at the end of the day, so to think about your question, like, did the producers or the writers, you know, whoever, did they play themselves Did they or did they just set us all up to be completely crazed? I mean, if you think about Disney Plus, the goal here is to make us keep coming back, right? So if we all think, okay, when we watch Loki, we're going to get all these answers, they could just be setting us up for something else. 
Well, I think you also have to remember is that COVID screwed a ton of this up because originally it was supposed to be WandaVision released and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness released like two months later. So we weren't supposed to have a full year in between these. So they were supposed to lead right into it. Um, or maybe a little bit longer than that. Basically, now they're saying it's a trilogy. This is a story arc, including WandaVision, Spider-Man. Um, what are they? What's it called? No Way Home? Something Home. <laughs> the Spider-Man releasing at Christmas and the Multiverse of Madness are all three a trilogy together, almost. So they're the MCU is done doing these huge events like Infinity War. They are they want to break them into smaller stories that are more self-contained, which I think is good because, you know, you struck gold with Infinity War. But how many people like us were scrambling to watch, you know, the 14 movies before going into the theaters to see Infinity War and Endgame? And then they had Captain Marvel in right before, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's I think it's. uh I think you have to remember that, that it wasn't supposed to be so much time. And then now reading afterwards is that the ending, I think, is how they wanted it. But there were more little nuggets to the story that they wanted to give us that they couldn't. So they were filming this and had to shut down the set because of COVID. And when they brought everybody back, when they determined it was safe or, you know, they could put the safety precautions in place. Uh, there were certain people who couldn't come back and do what they needed to do, particularly Kat Dennings, who plays Darcy. Darcy was supposed to play a much larger role in the finale, but her schedule conflicts, and you know, because it got pushed into other things, she only got to come back and what she had like two lines it was, in the finale. It was something pretty pitiful for someone who was so involved in making sure that everything was happening and she was really the brains of a lot of this operation to be honest for her to just disappear was you know a little strange so yeah i think you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt is that they progress the story at the end of the day they progress the story we now have this setup where you know i guess we can presume Doctor Strange and Wanda are going to go at it because he's going to come in and say, you're messing with reality or you're dealing with chaos magic and you need to stop immediately. And of course, she's going to be like, heck no, I'm not stopping till I get my kids back. So it's obviously at the end of the day, they, they set up what they needed to set up. But do you wish that some of these loose ends could have been tied up a little neater? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we still talk about it because this is, you know, the conversation topic of our house. But like, why did they bring up this mysterious engineer so many times? Like, what was that all about? Where did that come from? Like, were they just stringing us along? Was there someone who maybe couldn't come back to, you know, finish whatever the finale and they just had to, you know, just keep rolling with it? We don't know. So we went from everything from John Krasinski. To and play. you were a big proponent for that. I thought it was John Krasinski playing Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. 
We also thought it could be Nick Fury coming back. He's mm-hmm. not really an engineer, but we thought maybe he would I mean, show he's up. He's the guy. You know, he could be the guy. Yeah. I know a guy. Uh, I thought it could be Talos as well. The scroll from Captain Marvel. Uh, which that leads me to a separate question. Do you think the scroll who revealed herself at the very end, was that Talos's daughter or is that just a scroll? Just for like my own personal satisfaction, I'm going to say that it was the, his daughter. I would love to see a backstory to see. I would assume that the last contact Monica had with Talos's daughter was when they were in Louisiana at her house. Before they, well, I guess, I guess not necessarily because Talos and his family, we don't really know. We don't know where they went or what happened. Did they go back up to the space station or did they go into hiding on Earth somewhere? So who knows what the relationship looks like between Talos's daughter, which I don't, do we know her name? I don't think so. Unless it was in like some kind of weird after credit something. So Talos's daughter and Monica around the same age and Captain Marvel so. Obviously, they would be around the same age now, except the snap would screw that up a little bit. But anyway, around the same age, you know, I'd love to see them reconvene and kind of finish a lot of the work that their parents put in place. And I think we might get some of that in Secret Invasion. I think we'll get some of that in Captain Marvel 2 and maybe other places as well. But anyway, back to the subject at hand. I do think that is such a situation they played themselves on the engineer. Yeah. Because they mentioned it not once, not twice, but thrice. (laughs) And very specifically pointed out, it's a he, I've got a guy, you know, all these things leading up to it. And they even string you along and be like, oh, you know, we're meeting this person. They delivered the truck to Monica, but... Oh, that's not really the guy. The guy built it and sent it, you know. Yeah, he's coming later. And then we never got anything. You can't tell me that they didn't write that intentionally to make it seem like this big reveal. Mm -hmm. I'm fine if it's not, but you don't have to suggest it, I guess is my point. And you you can suggest it once, but thrice? (laughs) That crosses a line. Yeah. What's the fool me one time? You know, you know the quote. Yeah. So that was a big one. I'm trying to think if there was anything else just major that rocked our world. I mean, if we want to circle back to Mephisto, I mean, that's the biggest kind of topic on here. Well, two. Two things that I want to discuss for theories. Mephisto, same thing. You don't have to mention it so many times if he's not coming. Now, that one, I am willing to table it to say, like, maybe Mephisto is coming or he was there. Maybe he's Senior Scratch. Scratchy. You got to get the name right, Brendan. What's his name? Senior Scratchy. Oh, the bunny. The rabbit. You know, supposedly that was one of the scenes that was cut due to COVID was that Ralph and Agatha went to steal the Darkhold, the book that was in her realm, lair, whatever you call it. Yeah, evil lair. (laughs) And, um... Senior Scratchy was a demon and intervened and stopped them. Now, that's all they said. It's a demon. So could it be Mephisto's minion demon? Or is it Mephisto? It's just funny to say that. Now you'd be like, is that Mephisto? 
is this picture on the wall? Is that Mephisto? <laughs> because it was literally everything. So they, I think they were maybe heading in that direction. So that's why I'm holding out hope that maybe he's still around and we're going to get him and he'll be a villain in one of these upcoming movies. Mm-hmm. But a couple of things. You hear fake Pietro say to the kids, raise heck demon spawn. I mean, or unleash. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, like, my goodness, can you be any more on the nose? Yeah. Because if you're not familiar, in the comics, the kids are like, their soul is from Mephisto. It's complicated. But anyway. But it's like they're Mephisto's kids. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're connected. So you do that. And then in episodes, I guess it would have been seven and eight, when Agatha reveals herself and when they go down into the realm, there's the bug. Is it a cockroach? Is it a fly? Some sort of creepy crawly bug. And again, in the comics, Mephisto was first introduced as a bug. So again, like either you're trolling us to the 100th degree just for the heck of trolling us, or you're laying seeds for something later. So I don't know. That one I'm willing to hold out on. Last one, which I will not accept. This is my biggest gripe with the show. Okay. Is fake Pietro. Yeah, it seemed... It all led up to a you-know-what joke. This is a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, I don't... It just seemed unnecessary. It just seemed like, why is he there? Why did they do this? There was no, like, deeper meaning. Like, in the Halloween episode, I don't remember what the numbers are. But it seemed like he was trolling Wanda. So, you know, it made us think like, okay, what is his purpose? Is he whatever? And then when they opened the, um, when he was there, when Monica opened the layer doors, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, he's, you know, he's working with them. What's the purpose? And then for him to just turn out to be like a, a bum. An aspiring actor. Yeah, that Agatha, you know, conned, it was kind of like, wait, what? So again, this is one where some theorists have said, like, this is a storyline that's not done yet, and it could actually be Quicksilver from the Fox universe. I guess my problem is, is that we know a multiverse is coming. There's a title of a movie called Multiverse of Madness, for goodness sake. You don't have to keep teasing us with the multiverse of like, this is the moment, because we thought they did that to us in Spider-Man until we found out that Mysterio was a phony. Now they did it to us here, and then it's almost like they're setting us up that they're going to do it to us again in Spider-Man, because supposedly Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in the movie, and that's going to rip open the Sony multiverse. So, you know, maybe they rip open Sony multiverse, but they don't rip open the Fox multiverse. It's just, I don't know, it, like, quit playing with us. Like, we know it's coming at some point. I mean, because you can. Even but is that say- part of the fun? Like, I guess that's the question that we started with. Like, is all of this part of the fun? 
Because, you know, this is all we talked about. We woke up early every Friday. We had conversations about it. We researched it together. Like, this might have been a turning point in our relationship. You know, like, this was fun. Like, a we genuinely. Point in our relationship. We now enjoy, we have a hobby, a joint hobby. Oh, okay. Reading Marvel theories together. They're going to, on our 25th wedding anniversary, we're going to talk <laughs> about how WandaVision changed our life. <laughs> but it's. You know, it's like, is it a bad thing or is it just part of the fun of being like a fan of something? Because there's probably a lot of people who just watched WandaVision for what it is. And that's all it is. But, you know, like we took it to the nth degree. I mean, that's true. I mean, and like I said, they may resolve all of these things in future movies or TV shows. And we're like. Oh, but wasn't that so silly when we thought that fake Pietro was Ralph Boner, you know? And then we'll go look back and laugh on it. But in this moment, it's just kind of like the engineer on top with Ralph, that that left a poor taste in my mouth. However, I'd still think the show was a 11 out of 10. So let's talk about our favorites. So what were some of our favorite things? Now that we hashed out all of our theories, what stood out to you? I mean, do you want to talk about the quote that Vision said to Wanda? Are you going to cry? I mean, I'll probably cry, but it's okay if you say it. So what do you say? What is grief if not the perseverance of love? Yes, something to that extent. I mean, talk about like something that's tattoo worthy. (laughs) That Yeah, you have said that multiple times, actually. I mean, that's, uh, again, I think it just, it hits home that Wanda is dealing with real emotions that not even who I think she's the strongest Avenger or strongest superhero. I guess we can got to get away from saying the word Avenger. Now but she wasn't, she is an Avenger. Uh, okay. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue calling themselves Avenger when they regroup at some point. Okay. But I, you know, she's the strongest one, and this was even too much for her to handle. I mean, you, she's been through so much, and so I think that was a a quote that really hit it home to understand that she truly loved Vision, still loves Vision, loved her brother, loved all these people involved, loved her parents. And it's too much for one person to process. I mean, I also think if you think about that entire episode where they went back in her history, I mean, I do think that was just incredibly eye-opening, you know, getting to see her childhood. So the event, you know, that they've talked about so many times where, you know, it killed her, um, her parents and everything. And then getting to see just that one little glimpse of her and Vision's relationship when they were kind of, you know, trapped together or, you know, on lockdown together, whatever you want to call it. Like, I feel like that gives everyone a better understanding of, like, just the connection that they had. You know, it wasn't just like, okay, whatever. You know, they just got put together randomly. But, like, there was real substance there. And I do want to mention before we forget that that flashback scene did reveal a ton of her as a kid, revealing 
that at least her, and you can probably assume Pietro as well, had their powers before they interacted with the Mind Stone. So, by definition, she would be a mutant, which would be the first time that we've seen a mutant in the MCU. That is another theory that you are very excited about. I mean, yeah, I I wanted all the mutants to show up. They did not. But yeah, so that was interesting too, to see like how all that came about. And then I also really enjoyed just learning more about Monica. Because I think we're going to see a lot of her moving forward. I love Monica. So taking a character like Monica, who has had, you know, up to this point, a very minor role in the MCU. I mean, all we knew about her is that she was the daughter of... Maria. Maria. I knew it was an M. Maria Rambo. So just knowing now that that's going to be able to play out, and we got to see the evolution of how she got her, you know, abilities, powers, whatever you want to call them. I think they call her Photon. I think that's extremely interesting because you don't usually get to see all of that in this way, like how it progressed gradually. And the other little nugget there with her is that you can tell there's something wrong with the relationship between her and Carol Danvers. I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it was basically like, well, we can't call her for help. She hasn't been here. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be interesting when they finally meet up again, is there tension there? I mean, because that's, you know, that's the biggest takeaway from Endgame is, Carol, what are you doing? Where have you been? She's just off doing more important things, apparently. Like, what is more important than this? You know? And so I'm interested to see, is there, what what takes place? Is there resentfulness for her mom? Like, not being able to say goodbye to her mom because Carol wasn't there to stop the snap the first time? Is it just that she left that day and never came back to see them again? Maybe we learn more about that Maria asked her for help and she declined or, you know. That would be something. Whatever it could be. I mean, I guess the only thing that we know is that Carol gave Nick Fury the pager to use in case of emergency. So did Maria have any way of contacting her or was it only Nick Fury? So I, don't, I mean, obviously, you know, if you look at Monica... Her childhood was defined by Carol. I mean, she was like a, you would say like an aunt type I mean, she figure. called her Auntie Carol. Yeah, she was an aunt type figure in her life. Her disappearing ruined the Rambos. I mean, not ruined, but they were- It was were, devastating. It was devastating for them. And I think more than anything, you could say that Monica held on to all of her stuff. And, you know, it was took a lot of- toll it took a toll on her as a kid so yeah i'm sure it would be tough if carol then shoots off into the sky to fight the crees and then you never see her again so i think that has a lot to unpack i think we're obviously going to see more of that one of the you know end credit scenes where the squirrel is talking to her and she's clearly talking about going to see Nick Fury. I mean, I think that's very telling that there's more there since he is the man to talk to. I feel like I feel like that relationship between 
Fury and Monica will be amazing. I mean, because Monica doesn't take crap off of anybody. And, you know, you you know Nick's going to come back and try to, like, run the show. That's true. Where Monica almost has as much intel as anybody. You would assume that now she she could become the leader of S.W.O.R.D. at this point. That's another question that we don't know. Who leads S.W.O.R.D. after Hayward is done? Well, so, I mean, so he's done because we had a lot of theories about him, too. You know, what was his ultimate scheme? We thought he was Ultron. I thought he was Ultron. So now he's just, he was just carted away. Like this is, you know, some kind of Scooby-Doo. Like he was the bad guy. (laughs) He's gone now. That's it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that it's, that's it. I don't know really what to think about him. Because he clearly had more up his sleeve. I mean, he tricked everyone into thinking that Wanda stole vision when that clearly did not happen like how many hoops did he have to jump through to do all that i don't know i'm yeah i don't know if we'll see hey hayward again Hmm. so uh let's talk about jimmy woo and darcy i mean surely the fandom surrounding this will lead to them at least having discussions about giving them their own show or putting them in something in the future. I mean, we can't we can't be done with them. Oh no. I mean, I completely agree. I'm trying to think right now like what other opportunities there would be for them. Well, so we do know that Jane is coming back in Thor Love and Thunder. And so Jane and Darcy have a relationship. So they would get to work together. We do have an Ant-Man 3 coming out. So Jimmy could work with Scott and the rest of the Ant-Man crew. <laughs> so you so the potential's there. Hopefully they're not just cameos. I think that they could deserve something bigger. I think they could deserve their own TV show solving, you know, mysteries and things like that. I mean, they they work so well together. It would be great to have Monica there, too, but you almost feel like Monica's got bigger things to deal with now. She's beyond that caliber now, I feel like. Unless she's just like the, she's the muscle to them figuring things out. Jimmy had some muscle himself in taking those people down. Jimmy's the charm, Darcy's the brains, and Monica's the muscle. That's fair. So maybe Sword, why did I say Sword? Sword could get their own show like agents of shield i mean it'd be cool i don't i mean but jimmy's not part of sword right now unless they adopt him in neither is darcy well but i that's what i'm saying like i feel like they could easily be adopted in i agree especially if monica takes it over i mean who else would she pick you have to they work together they were the three musketeers i'm just interested like does monica as she's figuring out this new life that she's going to have with superpowers does she have time to do things like that or will they appoint someone else but you just have to like the family tie to it you know after seeing what hayward did being you know in control that's where talos's daughter comes in talos's daughter comes in and runs sword that's what i want to happen that's fair i could get behind that uh any other like moments or 
big things that you want to discuss? We've basically just nerded out and fleshed out a lot of the conversations that we've had in pieces in our home <laughs> over the last little while. So hopefully this was enjoyable to some extent. It, there's so much to unpack. There, we're bound to miss some stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think those are the big things for now. Because we're going to get into like future things and how we feel. So I think that about covers it as far as favorites go. So final review and then the future for the MCU. So I think that my final review, I mean, I loved it, obviously. I could not have loved it anymore. I remember a conversation that we had leading into this when they announced that they were going to do these Disney Plus series of how deep will they go? Because will they still want the movies to be approachable to someone who does not watch the TV shows? Well, I think they've crossed that line now, where if you want to stay up to date with the MCU, you have to watch the TV shows and the movies. I don't know how you feel. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think it's a good thing to a certain extent, but man, that that makes it a lot more challenging for someone because now you've got six hours of WandaVision to watch before you can watch Multiverse of Madness or Spider-Man or anything else that comes along. And then you add on Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and She-Hulk and you know all these different ones that are now going to be impacting the movies directly. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. And the only reason I say that is just because, I mean, Marvel fans, I feel like, take it to the extreme level anyway. You know what I mean? Marvel fans are you. You've become a Marvel. So I'm, So I'll put myself into the category. I feel like it's pretty nerd. easy to take it <laughs> to the extreme with all of this and want to consume all the content. So I almost feel like there's no... Like shortage, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are just glad that they're not just making Spider-Man over and over and over again. Like this is now finally a continuation of, you know, a story and they're starting to get into some of these other comic book series and all these other things where they can build on each other. And I think if you're just, you know, the average person who's just going to the movie because you're interested in seeing what they put out next, I feel like there's always like a place for people like that. You know, we know people who went to go watch um, Endgame without ever have seeing any of the other movies. And I think it's still enjoyable because you like the characters and it's thrilling. It's, you know, it's all the things that you would want from an action type movie. But I do think at the same time, for people like us who want to get into it more, like having that opportunity to have these episodes and these series and everything else that plays into it, like just enriches it. You know, like I'm sure let's say someone doesn't watch WandaVision and they don't see everything that happened with her. And then she's portrayed as a villain, which is kind of what we're predicting. And even what they alluded to in that last episode. And in one of those last scenes where she was talking to Monica I think people could make the connection that, again, from the little that we knew from her from the movies, that she was already very troubled and she had a dark past and she does have all of this power. So it makes sense. 
And if that's all that you care to know, then I think you can take that and run with it and be fine. And then the rest of us, you know, we're happy knowing why she got that way. Not happy because I'm very sad for her. And I am honestly dreading them portray her as a villain because to me, she's the complete opposite. But I think, I just think there's a category for both. Two things. I do think it's interesting if you notice the parallels between how she is set up and how Peter Parker is set up right now as well. Both of them have kind of been framed as villains and they only have one or two people by their sides. And then I also thought it was interesting. You look at who's on their side, you know, basically it's just Monica is on Wanda's side. Mm -hmm. You would have to think that hopefully Clint uh, Hawkeye will come and people like that Avengers who are still around would help her out. Maybe Bucky and um, Falcon as well. Sam, maybe they will come to her rescue and, and help her out if they need to. But uh, Peter Parker really only has Ned and MJ. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we see a, I want to see a face off between Ned and Darcy. I mean, it could happen for sure. I could see them doing something like that. I just think it's, it's um, you know, we've seen this in the past. You you see it with Iron Man. You see it with, you know, the government's always trying to control Iron Man. And you see it with some of these other characters where they try to say they're too dangerous or whatever else. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they've ever dealt with someone quite as powerful as Wanda. I go back to uh, Kevin Feige was actually asked this leading into Endgame. They said, who is the most powerful Avenger? And he said it was Wanda. Which I'm sure just rocked people's worlds. So they're like, what? So could you, you know, could Wanda beat Captain Marvel? Could Wanda beat Photon now? Well, Who I knows? think they're showing us in that last end credit scene. So again, I hope I know if you're still listening that you've seen it. But in that last end credit scene where she is studying that spell book because she, you know, she said like, I'm going to know how this works. I'm going to know how to control this. I'm going to, I want to be in control basically. Like she wants that. So she's going to learn the ins and outs. And she proved that she can, you know, based off of the spell that she put on Agatha and everything. So I feel like, like that's them showing us like, okay, she is a force to be reckoned with kind of thing. Do you think Agatha comes back? I kind of hope not. Really? Yeah, I don't know if that's a controversial opinion, but I'm kind of okay if we're done with her. I think she does come back. I think that when Doctor Strange challenges her to say, like, this is chaos magic, you cannot use this, then Wanda will say, Hey, I got this other witch who will come and stand up for witchcraft. And I just wonder, would she need her? Because I feel like Wanda is going to be so powerful. Like, could she actually need anyone else? Like, is she going to need help? Now, I think she'll need the help of other people. Like we saw 
to like ground her and to be like, you know, do the right thing, be the person that you are inside. You know, that's where all the other Avenger type people come in is because I think sometimes she needs that reminder. But as far as powers go, I don't think she needs help. I don't know. Uh, The other thing I wanted, you talk about, you know, someone who just goes into Multiverse of Madness fresh and they haven't seen WandaVision. I wonder how much they'll backtrack. Like how much they'll fill us in kind of thing. Well, you know, we'll be previously on WandaVision. But they don't typically do that in the movies, do they? I mean, they they don't usually feel I mean, it just starts. I mean, yeah, if you think about Endgame, it just that just starts. It's like mid-scene. You're thrown right back in there. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they play that because I I do know there's a lot of people who say, like, you are gatekeeping if you're keeping integral parts of the story behind Disney+. Plus. But they can. I was going to say, that's like my kids at school when they complain about, like, puppy guarding during tag. Like, isn't that how any of this works? What the heck is puppy guarding? That's what they call it. That's what they call Like, if, if you're guarding them, you know, if you're on base... And the person who's it is standing there. Oh, you're whatever. Anywho. Learn something new every day. Like that. They have. They can do that. It's their stuff. So of everything that we know that's coming out. Black Widow included. Which I don't know if you saw this. Bob Chapik said yesterday. Chapik. I always say his name wrong. Who cares? Um. It is going to be a theatrical release only in May. So just I wanted to throw that by you, first of all. What piece of content are you now the most excited for? Show or movie? Or you can do one of each if you want. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to have to do one of each. So since you threw me that lifeline, I'm going to have to do one of each. Show, definitely Loki. I'd say from the very moment that they said that they were going to do a Loki series, that was on the top of our list. I'd say it's probably pretty safe to say that WandaVision was at the bottom of our list. Loki was always at the top. Now my expectations are through the roof, which makes me very scared because I feel like that was a good thing. Like we went into WandaVision thinking, you know, this is going to be lame. Well, I honestly, I'm... I'm trying to not let myself get hyped up for Falcon and the Winter Soldier so that we can have that same experience. Oh, yeah. I'm not hyped for that at all. So I think we're fine there. I'll get you. uh, Let's circle back to this. I'll get you hyped by the end of this. Oh, God. Okay. I'm a little nervous. As soon as you start bringing up Captain America, that's when the waterworks start. But I think Loki for sure is one that we're excited for. And then, man... I want to see what happens with Wanda, but I am genuinely excited for Black Widow because that's one that we've been waiting on. Like, I want to see, I know this is supposed to be her backstory, but I am interested to see if it plays into anything at all. Like, what is going on with her? Wait, what movie did you just say? Black Widow. Oh, okay. For some reason, I heard WandaVision. I was like, what? Well, I said I'm interested in... Wanda, okay. and I want to see what happens with her. Black Widow, interesting. But I'm going to have to go with Black Widow because I do love Nat. You know, I had a, I have a heart, uh, a soft spot for Hulk. So Nat, Hulk, got to see what happens there. 
Okay. What about you? Uh, TV shows, uh, it's probably still Loki. Again, I just, I wonder, you know, are all of these moving the story forward or are they backfilling story that we don't know? Now, I'm going to be honest. I have a really dumb brain. Time travel puts my mind into a pretzel. And I know that's what Loki is going to deal with. You know, because that's the TVA, the, what is it, Time Variance Authority. Even though we like to think Tennessee Valley Authority. Yeah, that's our Tennessee roots coming out. Yeah. But, um, so I know Loki's going to put my mind into a pretzel about thinking about different timelines and how does this change things. So I'm a little nervous for that, about like, will this make sense in the end? And I hope that it's moving the story forward. I would love nothing more than if it moves the story forward, Loki gets back into this time frame because where we left him, he's back at like the first Avengers. He's, yeah, he's who knows where now. He gets back to present day and then maybe he shows up in Thor 11 Thunder or in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. One of those type things. There's kind of, you know, they have the two different genres almost of Marvel movies. They have Earth-based stories like Captain America and Iron Man. And then they have space-based stories like Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor. I always kind of lean more towards the space-based stories. Nope. Wrong. Wrong answer. You're Earth-based? Earth-based. That's my preference. So my my answer is Loki and then... uh, I think I'm going to say Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man or Multiverse of Madness or Love and Thunder. Well, the only thing that I'm nervous about with Multiverse of Madness is, A, the time travel and everything that you're saying. Because I agree, it can get very confusing. Like Doctor Strange is a somewhat confusing movie to watch. There's a lot to keep up with there. However, I'm nervous because you keep telling me it's going to be like a horror movie. Correct. And I might need you to like screen it first and let me know what's going to happen because I absolutely cannot and will not tolerate that. <laughs> I cannot be bringing that into my life. I think it's going to be more of like a thriller. Okay, then call it a thrill movie. But like horror is its own genre that I'm not okay with. I don't think it'll be like gory or anything. I think it just might be very dark. Like WandaVision dark? Maybe a little bit darker. Just you might have know. to screen it for me. Uh, okay. So any other thoughts about like, I I want to pose a question. I think I know the answer to this. And so we don't have to spend too much time with it. But because this is how our brains work of bringing everything back to the parks. Do you think this changes anything? Opens any doors for the parks? I don't think it can do anything in Disney World because she is Avenger-related. And how I understand the license agreement is that basically Avengers are off-limits to Walt Disney World. That's why they can do Guardians. Mm -hmm. They could... Well, yeah. They can do Guardians, but anybody else who's associated with the Avengers or that they've already put into Universal, they can't do 
So I don't know. Do you think it changes anything? I think honestly, the only thing that it could change is like maybe someday we could do like a Scarlet Witch meet and greet sort of thing. But, you know, even with that, I feel like it might be short lived. You know, I don't know if that plays into the Avengers campus idea that they're going for, especially if they're going to take her and almost, you know, people are going to see her as being a villain, you know? I mean, obviously you can meet, you know, like other Disney villains in the parks. But I think she'll end the movie as being a hero again. Well, she's, yeah, I mean, she's absolutely a hero. I think of her as a hero. She's my hero. But Her or Elizabeth Olsen? It's the same person. Oh, okay. She is Wanda. But yeah, I think if anything, I think the only thing we'll get from it is maybe like a meet and greet. I think that's so hard to pull off. I don't know if you've seen the Carol Danvers meet and greets. I haven't. I have the utmost respect for entertainment cast members. It it never looks right. It is. I feel like it is hard. Face characters are so difficult. And I think you can pull it off a lot better when it's going from animated to real life. Mm-hmm. So like you can completely convince me when you meet a Tiana, a Cinderella, a Rapunzel. That's them. You're meeting them in real life. When you go from real life to real life, you know, live action to real life. Especially it, with, you know, a famous actress like someone who is so well known you know it is hard that's why i think the spider-man meet and greet is such a hit in dca because he wears his mask but he still talks to you mm-hmm. so like again it convinces you that it is it's him spider-man yeah peter parker it is isn't it yeah yeah he's there that's where he lives yeah not brooklyn that's where i live he lives in anaheim yeah, I don't think this really changes anything for what we can do. Now, what I do think could change, I'm going to go ahead and throw this little, I'm going to plant this seed now. They do the rock and roll show for Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, they used to during the summers. Mm-hmm. Love and Thunder might add some new wrinkles to that. That would be fun. I could appreciate that. So hopefully we'll get something more. I mean, I'm perfectly fine. I know Epcot people will be mad about this, but I'd be perfectly fine. It just became like a Guardians of the Galaxy park. Future World was just all Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you, Yeah. I mean, we would be okay with that. Tear down Mission Space, make it a Drax ride. Tear down Test Track, make that a Gamora ride. Hey, keep, no. Well, keep Figment. That's the only thing they can stay. <laughs> but make it old Figment. Old Figment. I feel like that's it. I feel like we hashed everything out. I feel like... This is one of our longest episodes ever. Oh, gosh. We aired everything that we needed to. We got to nerd out a little bit. We got to share all the things that we love, mostly Elizabeth Olsen. We needed this. We needed a brain dump because it was all just like locked in our brains for the past week because we knew we were recording this. Past like eight weeks. How long have we spent obsessing over this show. And now it starts all over again with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So how I'm going to get you hype, they are already, people are predicting that X-Men mutants could show up here. Oh my, that was your big poll? Is another theory for these mutants? Yes. 
So supposedly, the city that a lot of this takes place in is a city that Wolverine has been in in the comics. I don't remember the name of the city, but maybe we get Wolverine. I'm very disappointed now, right now. Wolver- if they're going to bring in the X-Men, I'll go ahead and say this. I, Wolverine is not the one you should bring in. You can't replace Hugh Jackman. Like you need, you can't recast Wolverine. You need to pull a lesser known character. You can do Mystique or somebody, but the not. face he just made when he said that was hilarious. What? Just a lesser known. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> there is there is no Hugh Jackman played Wolverine so well, nobody else is ever allowed to do it. It's just like, what if they recast Captain America? You want to see that happen? No. Exactly. Same caliber. Okay. I feel you. We're on the same page now. <laughs> that's all I had to say. To that, that was it. Okay. So I think that's going to be it for this episode. We thank you for listening to our brain dump of everything we had to think about for WandaVision. We were obsessed. Do you think this is the most obsessed show you've ever watched? This or The Crown were you more like glued into? Or is it so different that it's hard to compare? It is different. I think I love the history of the crown and just learning more about that because like what little girl isn't just like obsessed with like royal anything, you know, like how do you not just find that fascinating from a history standpoint too? I feel like this was more exciting and I knew that you liked this more and it because of the way that Disney releases things where they only give you one at a time and you can't binge it, you know, it kept us wanting more. Like we just, we just waited and waited to the point where we would wake up before I had to go to school on Friday mornings, wake up early for these two non-morning people and watch it before school. That's where we got. I almost have to say WandaVision is probably the most excited I've ever been. Over a TV show. We were not Game of Thrones people. We didn't watch it. We never watched it. But I would imagine it's probably a lot of how a lot of people felt about Game of Thrones as well. And I that is mind boggling because those were so many seasons and everything else. They were so long. Each episode was so long. Yeah, to just like pour yourself into that. That that's a big commitment. I have a lot of respect for anyone who did that. Do you know what next episode is about? Yeah, we're going to be continuing our One Little Spark series. And because Wednesday is St. Patrick's Day, we're going to do a St. Patrick's Day themed episode where we're going to talk about luck. I thought we were just going to talk about that luck of the Irish Disney Channel movie. No? I mean, that's definitely going to squeak its way in there because we do talk about movies. How else are you supposed to feel St. Patrick's Day-esque other than to watch that movie? That's the third best decom ever. Number one, Brink. Number two, Johnny Tsunami. Number three, Luck of the Irish. Hmm. See, that this could be its whole... We're going to write this down because that could be its own series. Not its own series. Its own episode where we're going to talk about all the decoms. But Monday, we'll be talking about luck, and we hope you can join us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. 
Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.